Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. God's love for us is unstoppable because he wants the unstoppable love in us to be unstoppable for those he loves. He loves us unconditionally so that we can extend love unconditionally. He loves us and pursues us recklessly so that we can pursue others recklessly. And there's a a story in the Bible that I love, uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and I often look at this and I say, that's the church. At least that's what the church should look like. And the story in the Bible goes something like this. Uh, Jesus walks into town, he goes to a house, and he's ready to do what he came to do. And while he was in said house, the house was packed. But there were two guys that heard that Jesus was in town, and they had a friend with a condition that only Jesus could fix. And so they said, friend, uh, you may not know this, but today we're going to make it right for you. So they grabbed their friend who was stricken with a, a, a physical ailment. He had been on a mat for a long time. They grabbed said friend and said Matt and said we on our way to see the man who could fix this they carried their friend to the house they get to the house after busting through the crowds and they see that they can't get into the house but they loved their friend and hated his condition to the point where they said I don't know whose house this is but today we gonna tear it apart they climbed up on the roof of a stranger's house and said I don't care what it costs but I need to help my friend with a condition there's a man inside that could fix the condition so they ripped through the roof layered lowered their friend down with his mat in front of the one who could fix the condition why because they hated the condition but they loved the man and they knew the one that they loved could fix the man's condition and the church has failed to do that if you've been reading the newspaper several months ago there was a Severe tragedy, and you might be saying which one because there's so many that have happened in this country. But there was one that happened where a Jewish synagogue was attacked in Pennsylvania. Some sadistic person who was hurt with the world and upset with his life decided he would take his firearm and bust into this holy place, disrupt things, and kill over 10 people. He gets into this place, he kills these people, and all of a sudden, instantly, I see on Instagram all of my Christian brothers and all of my pastors and all of my my wonderful friends saying, hashtag, pray for Pennsylvania. Hashtag, pray for Pennsylvania. I see pastors all assembling, let's pray for the synagogue in Pennsylvania. But then I just so happened upon an article That read something like this. Local Muslims assemble to take care of the local synagogue. 
that had just been shot up. We as Christians were hashtag praying while the Muslims were on their feet working. And, and, and you might be sitting there saying, well, what does that have to do with love? It has everything to do with love because people look at Islam as a religion of hate. People look at Islam as a religion of terrorism. But we were the ones who were thumbing our prayers while they were actually doing the work. And you may be saying, well, whoa, whoa, that's kind of interesting. Why is that so important right now? Because these same people right now, because of their religious beliefs, Islam and Judaism are currently at war over land that they both claim is theirs because it is holy. Two major religions at war in another land and who's the first physical responder to the people in need? Their common enemy. While we Christians, a faith of love, we're praying for you. Hashtag pray for Pennsylvania. Not one single article about how Christians showed up and gave money to that synagogue. Not one single article about Christians that went over there to offer grief counseling. Not one single article that showed Christians standing outside of the synagogue saying we're going to protect them. I know they don't believe what we believe. I know that they don't look like we look. But listen, we're going to protect them. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. But the Muslims did it. And you might be saying, man, okay, you got to pull this together. Jesus, in front of religious leaders, shared a very powerful parable. It's a parable that many of you are familiar with. It's entitled the parable of the Good Samaritan goes something like this. Jesus tells these religious leaders, there was, because they're asking about who is our neighbor. That's where this whole story begins. Who is my neighbor? You want me to love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? Jesus says, here's the story, because y'all won't get it, so let me put it in layman's terms. He said, there's a man on the side of the road. He's on his way. He's on a road on Jericho. He's on his way somewhere, and he gets robbed, and he's left on the side of the road. He's beaten, and he's robbed. He says, the first visitor is a Levite, who means meaning a priest, and the priest sees the man on the side of the road, beaten on the side, and the Levite crosses the street and keeps on going about his business he says then there's another visitor called a jewish man and a jewish man sees this man on the side of the road and he goes by and he may offer some peace and a few blessings but he goes about his business then all of a sudden a samaritan considered forsaken considered a pagan considered dirty and unclean this no good dirty rotten samaritan sees this man beaten up on the side of the road and decides I'm going to get off of my donkey. You can take that metaphor how you want, but I'm going to get off my donkey and I'm going to help this man. I don't know his religion. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know what, what happened here. All I do know is this man is in need, so I'm going to help him. Grabs said man, puts said man on his donkey, takes the man to the nearest hotel, says stay here. I'm going to take care of his needs and if he extends beyond what I'm giving you money for when I get back I'll pay for the extended stay that Samaritan are the Muslims in the story I just shared with you and we are the Levites that walk by see pain see stuff and we hashtag pray for 
hashtag I'm praying for you. We hashtag till we can't hashtag no more while somebody else does the work. We've not extended love. What we've offered is stoppable love, meaning my comfort zone stops my unconditional love for you. My schedule stops me from loving you how God wants me to love you. My personal life stops me from doing what I'm supposed to do to show you how much I love you. We've offered, my brothers and sisters, unstoppable love. Here's my disclaimer before I start preaching, because I ain't preaching just yet. I may say some things, and you may think I'm talking about you. I am not. But as an old saying goes, if the shoe fits, I knew I wasn't going to get no amens there. Because I believe some of y'all going to be trying to make these shoes not fit, but they're going to fit just right. And my message today is not to beat you up. My message today is simply to make you aware. And by the way, welcome to our online community. We're so glad that you're joining us today. It's not to beat you up. Certainly not to condemn you. I hope that somehow, some way, through all of what I'm going to share today, you find inspiration. So that you can indeed be a world changer. So that we don't have to be on the side of the Levite in the parable. We don't have to be on the side of the Jewish man that ignored unrighteousness. But we can be just like the Samaritan and show love regardless of who we have to show it to. That is my goal and that is my job today. If you don't mind, will you meet me over in the New Testament, the gospel according to Mark? New Testament, the gospel according to Mark. Reading from the New Living Translation, and we're going to start at uh, chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. Very familiar passage says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord with all you, the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And it was right after this particular saying, after this particular answer, that Jesus presents to them the parable that I just shared with you about the Good Samaritan. It was right after Jesus gave this wonderful answer, which we, we find in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's also known as the Great Shema, okay? It's known as the Great Shema that we find in the book of Deuteronomy. It is one of the, the greatest commandments. In other words, every other commandment ever written lies on this foundational commandment, which has to do with love. Uh, 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 thou shalt not murder has everything to do with love, right? I may disagree with you, but not to the point where I've got to kill you. If I love my life, I got to love your life. Even if we come to odds, uh, honor thy, 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 do not covet thy neighbor's wife. Another commandment, meaning if I love you and I love my wife, I'm only going to love my wife, not your wife too. Thou shalt not steal. Means that I love my stuff, even, ain't, even though it may not be your stuff, and I'm going to honor you enough to not take your stuff 
even though your stuff may be better than my stuff. But my stuff is my stuff, and your stuff is your stuff. And I love you enough to not take your stuff. Your father, y'all see how these are all connected. Gluttony, which is another sin. We had a bit of a problem at our church, and I just want to make a confession here. We had an unexpected visitor here at our church who had been roaming around in the basement eating our food. And I understand he found a hole and he climbed through that hole and he had been eating our food. And I'm speaking of a rodent, yes. And uh, uh, we put down traps and we put down what we can and, uh, uh, and we could not kill the rodent. Uh, the rodent was successful in, 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 in beating us. But the thing was, he couldn't beat God. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, didn't I just say gluttony is sinful? What well, old little rascal ate till he killed himself. My wife came and said, honey, I found the mouse. I said, what? She said, oh, my goodness. I said, well, is it dead? She said, uh, he's not moving. I said, well, if he didn't run off after he heard your footsteps, then he is alive. I mean, he is dead. And so I get here and I'm looking and I wanted to see uh, where the mouse was. And I find the mouse and he is indeed dead. Plump and dead. Matter of fact, I won't do it here. I did it for our team earlier. He was laid out like this on his belly. Fat, plump belly. Dead. Why? Because gluttony is a sin. He stole from us. God says, touch not thine anointed. And he couldn't stop himself from stealing from us. Gluttony. And in the case, he killed himself. Touch not thine anointed. So anyway, I'm joking about that, but that's true. If you love somebody, you don't keep everything for yourself. You what? You share. You give it out. You pass it out. It's not just about you. All of the commandments are built on this foundational one, which is love. And if you love the Lord your God and you love your neighbor as yourself, guess what? There should not be any room for hate. There should not be any room for hurt. There should not be any room for that if you honor just this one commandment. There's no guessing. So, Pastor B, tell us, how does God expect us to love? Because God's love for us is unstoppable, and he wants uh, uh, our love for within us to be unstoppable for others. How, how do we do that? Well, I just want to share with you, there's so many ways God expects us to love, but today I want to just share four, four ways God expects us to love. Number one, he, want, he expects us to love our neighbor. God expects us to love our neighbor. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the person that lives to the left or the right of you or upstairs or below you or however your housing situation is. I'm talking about everybody you come into contact with is your neighbor. The person you're sitting next to right now is your neighbor. The person that you'll be at the gas pump next to is your neighbor. The person that you'll pass in the supermarket aisle will be your neighbor. Love your neighbor. He expects us to love our neighbors. Why do you say, I just told you all that in the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, all your strength. And second to that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And some of y'all might be saying, but today is one of them days I don't love myself. And I say, that's not true. You may not like yourself, but you love yourself. Well, how do you know I love myself? Because you still living. 
The fact that you still chose to breathe today and live and move and operate tells me you love yourself. You may not like yourself. You may not like your position. You may not like your situation, but you love yourself because you chose to live. And if you choose to live, let your neighbor live. Let your neighbor live and love your neighbor. Don't mean I have to like you. I don't have to agree with you, but I have to love you. Yeah, but you don't know, Pastor B. My, my neighbor has a huge Confederate flag that they wave. You got to love them. I mean, it, I mean, honestly, my neighbor the other day, um, last Sunday I'm driving. He's, got, he's not like my next door neighbor. He's like a neighbor on the street outside of my subdivision. And uh, he's got a flag. Okay, no offense to my friends online with us today, but he had a flag of the New England Patriots and I'm driving by and he waved and it was hard for me to wave back. I I just did like I I, I ain't gonna lie. I did the brother nod. I was like. (laughs) And And then when I got to my destination, I said, I hope he's out there when I go back around. That wasn't right. I mean, I may not like the Patriots. The enemy won last week, but, you know, uh. I still should have waved. That man was happy to wave at me. And I just like the enemy just smiling at me and taunting me. Now. So anyway, when I drove back by, uh, he was there and, and I didn't even wave. I beep, beep. I did the happy beep, beep horn. Hey, brother, mm, you need to take that flag down. We have to love our neighbor. We have to. We're required to. We have to put our neighbor's needs before ours. How many was the last time you paid for somebody else's Starbucks? Just because. When was the last time you saw somebody struggling with their baby and trying to get something out of their purse and you offered to kind of help in some kind of way? When was the last time you saw uh, an elderly person loading her own or his own groceries into the car and you offered to help? Here's one. This is an easy one. When was the last time you let somebody cut in front of you instead of trying to speed up to close the gap? Nope, not today. Y'all laughing because y'all know that's y'all. He said, watch yourself. Seriously, it's the small things. Those small things are evidence of love, right? Because some of y'all are blocking them, and y'all got like the the fish sticker on the back of your car. Some of y'all are blocking them, and y'all got the what would Jesus do t-shirt on or bracelet on. It's like, how, how are you a false representation of God? Just let the person in. Y'all all got, we all trying to go somewhere. Let them in. Okay. God expects us to love our neighbors in whatever tangible way we can do that. Whatever small way. Do you know that it takes a small ripple to make a big impact? Just letting them in. Guess what you just did? You, you probably restored joy in their life. Maybe they're rushing to get to the hospital to see a loved one. We don't know. But you'll never know if you mean and not helpful and not kind. Be kind. Love your neighbors. Here's another one. God expects us to love our families. (laughs) That's a hard one sometimes. Yeah, he expects you to love that crazy uncle that's always loud talking but ain't talking about nothing. That crazy auntie that's still getting tattoos, although she's like 60-something years old. No offense if that's you. Mama and daddy and them when they're not getting along. That cousin that touched you inappropriately when you were little. He expects us to love our families. 
And it's not just the families that we're born with. It's the families that we choose as well. Many of you choose Mosaic Church as your church family. God expects you to love your church family. He expects you to love your church family. Uh, 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 He he expects us to be like the church that we read about in the book of Acts chapter 2 or or Acts chapter 4. The church that had everything in common. The church that counted all things in common. The church that sacrificed so nobody had a need. He expects us in this family to be in love with each other like that. Some of us. It's not even 100 people here. Some of us, it's not even 40 people here, I would say. In this small church, some of us still don't even know each other's name. We're nice to each other. We greet each other. We're not messy. We don't have drama. But you don't even know the person you're sitting next to name or the person in front of you or the side of you. Because it's all about you. It's all about me coming here to get the word, and I'm going to hear the word, and I'm going to feel good, and then I'm going to go, and, and that's that. No, he expects you to know your neighbor. That's the only way you can love them. When was the last time you invited somebody you didn't know over? When was the last time you reached out or exchanged information with somebody in this church just to check on them? Because y'all always ask me, hey, I ain't seen such and such in a while. Have you called such and such? Because I'm not the only one required to do that. We're all called to be his hands and feet here. We're all called to be his example. We are a family. John 13, 34 says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Don't let me read that and, and, you, and you don't have a question mark in your mind about what I just read. Check this out. I just shared with you what? The great Shema, right? Which is what Jesus shared with who? Religious leaders. And what did he say to the religious leaders? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Second of that is love your neighbors as yourself. That's what he said to the religious leaders. But check out what he says to his family. You might be saying, that's not his family. No, no, that's not his blood family. But these guys that he spent three years with traveled all over the Middle East, sharing the gospel, performing miracles with, slept together, laughed together, washed their feet. Oh, they were family. And this is what he's saying to his family, not religious leaders, but to my family. This is what he's saying. Fam, this is what I want y'all to do. Y'all know how I love y'all, right? Fam, this is what I want y'all to do. Love each other like I love y'all, fam. And how did I love y'all? Flaws and all, I accepted you. See, I knew there would be a doubter among us, and his name was Thomas. But I still loved you, and I never, ever told you you couldn't hang with me. I, I knew that there would be someone among us that would have a, 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 an attitude problem, that would have uh, anger management issues, Peter. And, but, but Peter, I never told you you were not righteous enough to hang with me. I knew among you that one of you is considered worse than a sinner, uh, a tax collector, a t- tax collector uh, Matthew, but you can still hang with me. I knew among one of you, you would bet- betray me and send me. And steal from me, Judas, but I never said, Judas, you couldn't hang with me. Jesus said, I accepted you, flaws and all, and I expect you to expect and and, and accept your family, flaws and all. Love each other like I have loved you. I didn't judge you. I didn't ostracize you. I didn't kick you to the curb. I loved you 
just as you are, flaws and all. And that's what he expects from each and every one of us, how he expects us to love our family members, flaws and all. Pause for a moment. Let me fix that. That don't mean you have to accept the flaw. But you can't condemn them because of the flaw. Y'all follow me? Did y'all miss that? Did y'all hear what I just said? Doesn't mean you have to accept it. But you don't have to condemn them because of it. Because if you condemn them, you shut the door for an opportunity of redemption and restoration. The minute you condemn them, the minute you're like, shame on you. You need to. And please don't be telling people when they sin. You know what? You need to go to church. Because you come into church and your sin still ain't been dealt with. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Don't do that because you're judging them and you're telling them the only place they could be fixed is at the church. No, you're fixed through prayer. Listen, check this out. You got issues. Check it out. Let's pray right here. Let's let's work this thing out. Let's not leave this living room. We don't need to come to the church to get it fixed. Don't do that. You jack the church up. Romans 12, 10 says this, when we delight in honoring another person, it boosts their feeling of value. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Honor is so important and we've lost honor even in our families when they don't do what we expect them to do or they don't act the way we want them to act. All of a sudden we dishonor them and it said it costs nothing to offer respect to everybody. We want respect. We have to offer respect. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you did. I don't like what you're saying. But doggone it, I'm going to love you through it anyhow. Because when you choose to love somebody through their mess, through their hurt, you are controlling the narrative. How many of y'all stopped talking to people because of something they did a long time ago? And you can't even remember why y'all stopped top- talking in the first place. You still can't remember. Why did, I don't even remember why we stopped talking. Because you have not forgiven them and held on to that. And guess what? Every time you see them, something in your spirit kind of stirs up. Why? Because they're controlling the narrative. The mention of their name. mm -mm. Going through your guest list for who's coming to Thanksgiving dinner. They ain't coming. Why? Because of something they did. I don't care how painful it is. You have an opportunity to make what's wrong right. And control the narrative. Don't mean get trampled over, but control the narrative. And Jesus said, love as I have loved you. Love each other that way. I knew there would be people that would portray portray, betray me. I knew that there would be people that would deny me, Peter, three times. I knew that there would be one that would be stealing from me, Judas. I knew that there would be one that would doubt me, Thomas. I knew that there was one that had mad sin, Matthew. But Jesus didn't say, because of that, you can't hang. He said, because of that, please hang. Because you're jacked up, please hang. Because you got issues, I want you to hang. Hang. And that's what we have to do for our families. Number three, he expects us to love his bride. God expects us to love his bride. You know who his bride is? His bride is the church. That's who the bride of Jesus is. The bride of Jesus is the church. He expects us to love the church. And, and, and the thing is, we don't love the church. I was saying this earlier, and, 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 and if there are little people in here that are small, please forgive me, but I got to, you know, John, 
talk to mommy about it later. But we treat church like sex. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so good. And once it feels so good, it's all over. You can't wait to do it again. And that's how we do church. Oh, I'm going. And, oh, pastor, that was a good word. I feel so good. I feel so good. But I can't wait to do it again. We get our fix. We get our rocks off. But that's it. We don't do nothing in between the last time we did something. We don't encourage each other. We don't build each other up. We don't serve other people. We get our little fix. And it's like, oh, that was good. Woo. Was it good for you? As good was good for me. And God is saying, is this how you treat my bride? My bride is just for your personal satisfaction. You come to church just so you can feel good, but you don't want to help nobody else feel good. You come to church to get a word, but you ain't shared it with not a single soul. Yeah, I get it. You may give your tithe and your offering, but what have you done for me lately? This is what God is saying about his church. And this is how we treated the church. We want feel good moments, but we don't want to do good things. This ain't church. This is a building. This is a temple. We are the church. We are the body. And we're called to go. He says that. Go. The command was was never to go to church. Sit in the pew. Feel good chill out the rest of the week and then come back and feel good all over again. Heck, you could do that at the nightclub with a little bit of Henny. Come on, somebody. Y'all holy now. Y'all better quit playing. Y'all better stop it. Let's be real. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. That won't sustain you. That won't prepare you for what God has in store for you. It goes beyond just Sunday morning. Yeah. Ephesians 5.25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, don't get stuck here. I'm not talking to married people. I want you to catch how Jesus loved the church. Check this out. This is how he loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. You can't tell me Jesus don't love the church. Bible tells me he did this for what? His bride. Who is his bride? The church. But we have ignored and treated the church like a prostitute. We pay our tithe and get a little bit and we good. That's how we treat prostitutes. Got mine. Now I can go. We've got to do better. I, I told y'all if the shoe fit, just go ahead and put it on. Don't be trying to pretend it don't fit. If it fit, just wear it. It's all right. I've had to wear it. Number four, and this is a hard one. God wants us to love our enemies. We have to love our enemies. I had real issue with this, especially in my militant days, because this is the same uh, thing uh, where we find scripture that says in Romans in. Uh, let's go to Romans 510 really quick, and then I'm going to come back to where I want to go. Let's go to Romans 510 really quick. If you have your Bible, meet me in Romans 510 really quick. It will be on the screen, but if you have a Bible. Uh, just meet me in Romans 5, verse 10. Check this out. For sinner, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his what? Enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. That alone tells us why we need to love our enemies. 
The song that we just sung together tells us why we need. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. A foe is an enemy. When I was your foe, and all of us at some point in our life have been enemies of God. And an enemy is not somebody that's trying to tear you down. An enemy is not somebody that's trying to always come after you. An enemy is your opposition. Okay, let's talk about sports, right? If, I'm, if, I play, if I play for the Buffalo Bills, which is my favorite team, and I'm playing against the New England Patriots, um, the New England Patriots is my enemy. Not because I don't like them, but because we both have a goal. And that goal is for one of us to finish this game with the highest score. So for these four quarters that we are on this field playing football, our goal is we have, we're both each other's enemy because we have to defeat the other one in order to have the highest score by the end of the game. So for this moment in this time frame, that opposition is my enemy. So your enemy is anybody that is considered to be your opposition. And the crazy part is, depending on the season, your opposition could be the person that sleeps in the same bed with you. And I don't mean that they're trying to tear you down or they're against you or they're trying to draw a wedge between you. It's just that you are opposing factors in this season. But, you could, but if watch this, if you're not loving your enemy, you can't make what's wrong right. Your enemy could be anybody that's against you and not for you. But there is an enemy that is trying to tear you down. And his name is Satan. And that's our common enemy. Your enemy is not the person that does not uh, uh, vote down the same party line as you. Y'all are opposing differences, but that person is not your enemy. Because if you see that person as an enemy, you could never reach them with the love that God requires of us. Your enemy is not uh, uh, that person that doesn't look like you. That any, your enemy is not those guys in Charlottesville, the Tiki Torch gangsters. They're not your enemies. You have to love them too. Perfect example. Let me share a quick story with you. I was on Facebook and uh, found myself, and I don't like to do this. I try to avoid these kind of things as often as I can. Because it really just gets to me because we got a lot of, um, how can I say it, keyboard tough guys, right? As long as they got that keyboard, they're going to say what they want. But in real life, they won't say nothing. They be quiet as that church mouse that we found the other day, right? But they on the keyboard, they got all, they, they talking big stuff, right? So we got a whole bunch of keyboard tough guys. And so anyway, we're talking about why brothers are kneeling at the NFL. It was that kind of debate. And I, and I wanted to share because this guy I actually went to high school with. Those are the worst ones, right? They were punks in high school, but now they've became grown and they think they, they, they tough. I'm grown now. I got a little mustache. I got a family. You can't talk to me that way no more. Man, Chump, I will still have you. I'm still that dude. I'm just saved, but I'm still that dude. I'm still that dude. I'm still that dude. In the name of Jesus, I'm that dude. Hear me. I'm, I'm <laughs> Glory to God. Pray for your pastor because he's that dude. Hear me. So the guys, so we're going back and forth and he's, he's going on and on. And, 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 and what I wanted to say, I, I, I held back from saying. And it got to a point where he was just straight up saying some racial things. 
And all of a sudden, that, 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 you know, that Shabazz Allah dude I used to be back in the day when I was militant, you know, started to come out. But I said, I'm not going to do that because I'm a Christian now. I wear a different crown. And so I, I had to go to scripture and said, I got I to gotta, I gotta speak to him in love. And so he's saying some stuff, and the more stuff he says, the more angry I am. And we're going back and forth. And, and, and then I pause for him. I said, man, are you a Christian? Said, yeah, I love the, yes, yes, I'm a Christian, whatever. So we're going back and forth. Somebody chimes in, what does faith have to do with anything? I ignore that person because they just ain't adding nothing to the conversation. So finally, as he is getting more angry, I can tell by how he's typing and what he's saying. And I can tell he's angry because he's misspelling a lot of words now. Because he's trying to type fast to get his point across. I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep responding out of love. So I began to use words like, all due respect. No, hear me, my brother. I am not your brother. You, 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 you're a Christian. You're my brother in Christ. And I'm being as calm as I can. And finally, he's calm. I can see it through the back and forth. And I say to him, I say, these brothers that are kneeling are kneeling for guys that have gone and served several tours of duty to fight for this country. These guys are kneeling to fight for a guy, and I shared with him an article from the AJC of a young boy, a decorated soldier, that came back from several tours in the Middle East, struggling with PTSD. He was completely naked, not a weapon in sight. He was mentally unstable. He was erratic, but no weapon in sight. And a DeKalb police officer kindly grabbed his firearm, saw an irate black man completely naked, no weapon in sight unless you looked at his private areas. And the man shot and killed that brother, who was a decorated soldier, served multiple terms for a country that couldn't love him through his pain. I said, this is why they kneel. For brothers like that, that fight for a country that don't see injustice in profiling and policing the way they do. And when I said that, he sent me an emoji with tears because for that moment it resonated. And you know why it resonated? Because I loved my enemy. Had I responded the way he expected me to respond out of anger, I would have never had a moment to break through his hard, hardened heart to see the humanity and why this boy was suffering and why these brothers stand on the sideline and take a knee. It's not disrespect to those who serve. It's actually in honor of those who serve this country, come home and are racially profiled just because of their skin color. And when I said that, it made sense. And if we don't love our enemies that way, we'll never, ever break down walls that separate us. I may not agree with you politically. I may not agree with your personal beliefs. I've watched this. I may not even agree with your religious beliefs. A friend of mine is down in Florida. Shortly after the story I shared with you earlier about the mosque, I mean the, uh, the, the, the synagogue that was attacked, shortly after that, um, at this church that my friend is at, uh, uh, a church had foreclosed on a building. Well, a group of Muslims <laughs> decided this would be a perfect place to have a mosque, right? And so what happened was the church that my buddy is a friend, that my friend is a, a member of, that church, the pastor gets behind a pulpit and says, we will not have that 
in our community. I want us to right now face that that toward where that mosque is it's trying to be built over here and let's stretch our hands toward that mosque and let's pray against the enemy i said your pastor said what stretch your hands toward the mosque and pray against the enemy and i said that's not christian Jesus didn't say, hey, let's 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 stretch our hands toward Mount Gerizim and pray against the Samaritans. No, my Jesus said, I'm going to go where they worship and I'm going to show them love. My Jesus didn't pray against them while they were on that mountain praying to a false God. Jesus said, let's love them. He went to where they were and he didn't condemn them. He loved them. And here you have pastors standing behind these things telling people, condemn the enemy. If I condemn them, I have shut the door permanently for reconciliation. And I look for the opportunity for something crazy like that to happen. Listen, I don't even know what our neighbors, what kind of worship they have. Me and my wife, when we first moved over here, we looked them up and it's like, well, they look Christian, but I'm not sure. But do you know every Sunday I pray for them? I say, God, whatever, whatever's going on, I pray that the Holy Spirit dwells in that place and that they have a radical encounter. Whatever happens in this building, let there be an overflow to that building in the name of Jesus. I've never condemned them and I never will condemn them. Why? Because God didn't cause me to judge. He called me to love. He didn't save me because I did things right. He saved me because I wasn't acting right. <laughs> he didn't save you because you did things right he saved you because you were on the wrong path that is love for God so loved the everybody in it the Muslim the Jew the atheist and even the Satan worship they're all a part of the world that God loved but the thing is we are called to be his hands and feet not to condemn them my wife and I, and I'm going to wrap it up right here. We were recently at a, a pastor's round table, and it was so wonderful. It was so rich. It was so good to be in that place to have so much knowledge. But they had a panel discussion, and they opened the floor for pastors to ask questions. And so they started off with the light questions. Well, what do you do about attendance? And how do you raise up your leaders? And that was really good. And then they started to get a little deep. How should the church respond to social justice matters and injustices? And that was getting a little deeper. Then finally, somebody had the 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 boldness and the courage to finally ask the one question that every pastor probably in the room had and that was how do we deal with the gay people the gay people and I love the way the panelists responded. He says, the same way you deal with the adulterer, the same way you deal with the thief, the same way you deal with the one that's out there fornicating right now, the same way you deal, you deal with them in love. Because homosexuality is a sexual sin, meaning it falls under the line of sexual sins. So that person that's sitting at home in their bathroom on their mobile device looking at Pornhub.com is just as guilty as the person that's struggling with their sexual identity. Uh, that person that's sitting at home swiping left and swiping right on Tinder looking for a hookup is just as guilty as a person struggling with their sexuality. And if I'm going to ordain that person or let that person serve in leadership, surely I can let that person serve in leadership. Why? Because it's not about condemnation. It's about love. 
You may not like what I say, but that's your personal business. I read the Bible like you do, and I know what the Bible says. The greatest commandment above all of these is L-O-V-E, love. Not judgment, not condemnation. God never looks at sin and says, this sin is worse than that sin. No, sin is sin. Plain and simple. That ain't the book according to Broderick Santiago. That's the book according to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Old Testament and new. Sin is sin. And how do we love our enemies? Looking beyond their sin. That racist is sinning. But you will never ever reach their heart if all you see is that confederate flag. If all you see is that tiki torch. If all you see is their hate. I had an issue with this civil rights movement growing up. I thought they were stupid and chumps. Forgive me civil rights leaders. That's my past. Because I grew up up north. And I was on that Malcolm X by any means necessary with the AK-47 in the window looking. I'm going to blast you if I got to. But we never ever would have made the ground that we've made by just killing other people. Because that's hate fighting hate. But Dr. Martin Luther King made sense to me when I became a Christian. Where the scripture says if your enemy slaps you on one side, turn your cheek and let him slap him on the other one. Watch this. I'm, I'm, I ain't even got to say it. Let me give you scripture and I'm going to offer a benediction and we're going to be going. Check this out. Luke, meet me over in Luke chapter Chapter 6, 27 to 36. Watch this. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. I think we all do that part pretty well, right? I think we all at least pray for the one who hurts us, right? But this is where we struggle. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. And when I first read that, I was still like in the world a little bit. So I was like, yeah, that's a good strategy. You hit me in one, I'm going to pull the rope of dope. I'm going to off you the other, fake it, and then I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to counter it. But that's not what the Bible was saying. <laughs> I was like, that's a good strategy. Like, bam, you think you're going to get the other one? I throw it out there, fake you, and I got you. That's not what the Bible was saying. The Bible is saying, let them slap the other one. If someone demands your coat, Offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. My cousin James helped me preach that earlier. He is an Atlanta police officer. And I was saying to him, I said, if somebody break in my car, I can't shoot them. He said, no, cuz you will go to jail. I said, but what if I grab my baseball bat and whack him upside the head? He said, man, it'd be a less offense, but you still going to jail. I said, well, what do I do if somebody's breaking in my car? He said, just leave your car unlocked, but take your valuables out. So let them steal my stuff. Yeah. And call the police. I struggle with that, James. You know that. Because you touching my stuff, man. I'm like, a whole bunch is going to my mind. You on my property. You touching the stuff I done paid for. I, you, you got some answering to do. I told you I got issues. Didn't I say that earlier? Okay, that's my disclaimer. But I want to whack you upside the head. But seriously, he says here, if they steal something, let them have it. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those, this is where it gets juicy. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even if even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others for a full return. 
Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the most high. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He's saying God is kind to those who don't appreciate him. To those who deny him is what the Bible is saying here. If you exegete it well, it says, be kind to those who can't even repay you, who don't deserve your goodness. Still be kind to them. We have to love our enemies. That's the only way we can fix the brokenness in this world. I'm going to take it a step further. For many of you, that's the only way you'll feel the brokenness in your heart. Is to love that person. That hurts you so deeply, you're unwilling to forgive them. So my brothers and sisters, I end with this. Decide today that if you believe in your heart that God's unstoppable love is indeed for you. That God's unstoppable love that tears down walls and climbs high mountains chasing after you is good for you. Then you also have to know that that unstoppable love that is in you. Is also is to be extended to all those around you. It's expected, whether you like it or not. If you call yourself a Christian, it is our small, small duty to this humanity. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.